Welcome. I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. Here I share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. Be sure to check out the show notes where you'll find details about the episodes, plus important links, including the link to the Dogged Planner and Workbook created just for handlers on a mission. So if you're ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we are taking on perfection and perfectionism and being a perfectionist. Uh, I know I have identified at times in my life um, and sometimes daily um, as being a perfectionist. And I also know that when it comes to sports, it is a very dangerous thing to be um, because for the most part, there is no such thing, right? Even a beautiful cue run might not have been perfect. I mean, like really perfect, perfect, right? And so I think this is kind of a thing that we need to talk about because it impacts what we're going after and what we feel that success looks like. And and that's kind of a, a corporate term, I guess, we always used to say like, well, what does the success looks like? How are you defining success? And if you are defining success or you feel like a good run has to be perfect, then that could be, uh, it could be a dangerous place to be. It could be a depressing <laughs> place to live because like how often do you attain that then? Um, it could really be eroding your confidence because again, if that is your standard, if your standard is perf- perfect or not, um, then you're hitting the not area a lot more than than you should be, and that is probably eroding your confidence. So let's we're going to try to unravel perfectionism and kind of why it happens and where it comes from and what we can do about it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I have a little kind of anecdote, I guess, that comes to mind. And that is of my dad, who he's been gone a number of years now. Um, but he could never, there were a lot of words he couldn't properly pronounce. I don't know why. But perfect was one of them. That man, in all of my years of knowing him, always pronounced it as perfect. Like it, like as though it was spelled P-E-R-F-I-C-K, like perfect. That's perfect. And it always had a K on the end and it may or may not have had a P-I-C-K or P-E-C-K. Regardless, it was not perfect. And I mean that in all of the ways, right? It wasn't the correct pronunciation of it. Um, But it's hitting me in this topic today that it's, I mean, the irony is really too much, right? Is that of all the words, and like I said, there were several um, that he could not pronounce properly. And by the way, he's from the Midwest. He's from like, you know, St. Louis, Missouri and moved to Michigan and lived most of his life in Michigan. And then, um, between Texas and California. So he's like a native American, like there's not an issue with, um, learning the language or not being able to pronounce things because of any other impediments. He just ironically, very ironically could not pronounce perfect um, and instead said perfect. And 
I just think it's kind of funny right now because of all the words you couldn't pronounce, this is the one. And, um, but it is a great reminder for all of us. Um, and as my friend Lizzie Larock would say is, you know, she always says feck per function. And um, to try to get us off of thinking about having perfection in any way, and maybe in a, any part in our lives, to be an actual goal. Right. We talk a lot about goals here. Um, I'm all about goals, 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 goals. But perfection is not a goal that I have, especially when it comes to my dogs. Now, when it comes to myself, I still like one of my, I don't know, one of the things I blame my procrastination on. <laughs> I have a lot of outlets for blame there. Um, but is my desire to be perfect at something, right? I don't like to start something if I don't know exactly how to do it or how to do it well. All right. And how to do it. Mm, I'll say it perfectly. And so sometimes if it's a new task, something I've never done before, I mean, it'll sit there just staring me at the face because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it correctly. I don't know how to do it right. And, you know, I could go into my childhood and upbringing and um, expectations of parents and teachers and Catholic school and like a host of other things that I could, you know, draw lines back to. Um, but the thing is, is if we have in our heads a standard that is perfect or nothing or we come from a an upbringing or experiences that tell us that um, we don't want to be judged for less than performance, right? We we're afraid to be wrong. We don't want to have be criticized. Um, we that any you know form of criticism is personal. Um, that failure is personal. All of these things. And yeah, some of those things require more therapy than others to get through. Okay, so I'm not really, we're not going to go there. Um, but I do think it's interesting to sit with your ideals of why perfection is important. And um, what's interesting for me is there's areas where perfection is important. Um, where I think like in a work setting where I think I might be judged or receive criticism, um, something like that. But what's interesting is in the dog sports, I don't really have that hang up. And that's great for me, right? Lucky me. Um, but I don't ever, I, I don't really walk into the ring thinking, oh my God, I have to be perfect. And thank goodness, right? Because I would argue that in dog sports, perfection is so elusive. And even with elite handlers or those people you think are elite handlers or never make a mistake or they're always perfect and all this kind of stuff, you know, that's kind of also a, it's a little unfair to apply to them because that's a lot of pressure on them, even if they don't know that you say that about them. Um, but also it's unrealistic because to say that, um, now you might have a perfect run or you might witness what you think is a perfect run. Um, but that same elite handler might walk out of the ring and be able to name three things that, that they feel like they did wrong. So it's really dangerous. It's dangerous to go for it. It's dangerous to label it. It's dangerous to think that it exists. And I think, um, you know, there are ways to, 
aspire to being precise. There are ways to aspire to holding your criteria in such a way that that gets a particular result or a particular performance. I think those things are incredibly important. But having perfection as a goal or having it be the standard by which you judge your value or your worth is incredibly detrimental to your growth. And speaking of growth, it's also very much gets into like a fixed mindset sort of approach, which we don't want, right? We want to be in a growth mindset. We want to be open. We want to be willing to make mistakes in order to improve, right? Now, the thing that a lot of us are very sensitive about, and I said us because that includes me, is that um, is criticism, judgment, um, other people saying, even if it's my instructor and I've actually asked for feedback, right? It's still very bristly to me to be judged or told that, no, that was terrible. <laughs> or, nope, here's, you know, you do a thing you're really proud of the sequence or, or this healing pattern or something that you did only to have your instructor say, like, start with the things that you just did wrong, right? You were feeling pretty good about it. And then they lead with the things that you did wrong instead of the things that you did right. All right. So I get it. Um, you know, but we walk into the ring all the time where we are either subjectively or objectively judged, scored, graded, given awards or not given awards for our performance, or even in the case of confirmation, just for how our, do- our dog looks that day, you know, against other dogs or in comparison or relative to. So it's a tricky thing to be any kind of an athlete in any kind of an arena walking in and knowing that on the one hand, you want to get better and you want to improve, but on the other hand, holding this ideal of perfection to be the thing that you're going after, right? And related to all of this, you know, I just did my goals and I know that everybody's kind of, it's January, so everybody's doing their goals. Hopefully you're doing them in the dogged planner. Um, But even if you're not, even you're just writing down the things that you want this year, I doubt that any of them started with be perfect or perfect about this or perfect. I bet the word perfect doesn't even come up in your goals because the truth is, is you can get to a lot of your goals. uh, I'm going to say by the skin of your teeth, (laughs) right? I mean, if you've had a 170 in obedience or you've, you know, gotten a great save in agility, or maybe even you cued with a bad call in agility. I got one of those ones too, right? They didn't call my A-frame when it very should have much been called. Um, And so um, those all are very imperfect, very far from perfect, maybe very like verging on terrible runs that still got us on the path to those goals, right? So we don't need to be perfect to achieve our goals. We don't need to be perfect every run all the time. We don't even need to be perfect in the finals, right? We make it to the finals. Maybe we need to be clean, but it doesn't mean we need to be perfect, (laughs) right? And so I want to really, I want you to really think about that as you're driving to your trial this weekend about like what that means and how you hold your kind of standard and your level of success. And are you a person who is asking yourself to be perfect? And I say asking yourself because for the most part, I don't hear handlers expecting their dogs to be perfect. We seem to be a lot more forgiving about our dogs and their abilities 
to for their consistency, their ability to perform in different environments. Um, and we make excuses for them even. We're like, oh, they're just not in that condition right now. We're, or, you know, we're really rusty. We haven't trialed in a few weekends or several months or whatever, whatever, and, and so on. And so um, I think that we're a lot kinder to our dogs, which is great. I want us to be very kind to our dogs. I want us to be very forgiving of them. You know, they, they are dogs and, um, and they're feeding off of us, but we also can't shoulder all of that responsibility either, right? So we have to let ourselves off the hook. We have to forgive ourselves, which is a very hard thing for handlers to do. Um, we have a very hard time forgiving ourselves for mistakes. Um, and it all gets jumbled up in this same came same kind of bucket of us trying to attain a standard of performance consistently that may not be possible for us right now, maybe given our experience or given the dogs that we have, or given the fact that we haven't trialed in a long time. Um, I haven't trialed in a, in a little while. And so if I walk to the line tomorrow, like, should I have those same expectations that I had on myself when I was trialing regularly, right? Not really fair. And again, when we hold these expectations or these kind of impossible standards for ourselves and we miss them because uh, they were impossible, um, we really knock our confidence. And when we knock our confidence, we start not believing in ourselves. We start questioning things. We start doubting things we normally wouldn't doubt. Then we start changing a bunch of things, you know, things that used to work. We're like, well, that didn't work today. So therefore I'm going to blow it all up and do everything different tomorrow. Um, We start like reacting instead of really pausing and thinking about, well, what is it that I had walking into the ring? And, you know, that's why I always encourage people to write down kind of what their process goals are, their outcome goals for that weekend based on where they are kind of in that moment because it helps us get a little bit more fair about the objectives, the goals that we are setting for that weekend, all right? So there's a lot that rolls up into these standards. And maybe you're not a perfectionist, okay? But maybe you're just someone with really high standards that you are holding that as your sort of bar that um, if you miss it, then you're a failure, right? Which again, is a very fixed mindset type of thinking because it says that our performance is who we are versus a growth mindset saying, well, our performance is just what I did that day. It is not my, who I am or my value in the world or et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So we are going to figure out like how we can address some of this and get ourselves out of that thinking but still having standards and goals for ourselves when we walk into the ring or even go to class. All right, hang on one second. This is a shameless plug for my Dogged Planner. I created a planner, workbook, and journal designed just for handlers with big goals. It's been years in the making and it is finally available and I'm super proud of it. The link to learn more is in the show notes, but quickly, the Dogged Planner has goal setting pages, title tracking, a place to record health information, in-season date capture, notes pages, and monthly and weekly calendars. The workbook is everything except the calendar. And the journal is blank for seminar notes, rehab plans, training notes, agility stickers, or whatever else you may need. 
All are available on Amazon and are made to order. So if you're serious about slaying your goals this year, then you need the Dogged Planners. All right, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about how we get out of this wheel, the circle, Um, because I do think people get caught in a little bit of a loop because if they're not if they're not aiming to be perfect, then what are they aiming toward, right? What is their, again, their d- definition of success, their standard of success? Um, you know, if I go into a rally ring and I get a 75, I'm going to be really bummed about that probably. Um, but if I go into the rally ring and I get a 75 on a dog that's never been to a dog show before, I'm going to be like, oh, look at us. We're, you know, we're trying, we're making progress. So the first thing that when you are trying to redefine what success looks like is to really think about each run more individually, not like holistic, right? I play a lot of sports with my dogs. So what I expect in the rally ring versus obedience versus agility versus draft, those are all real, I have really different expectations for those rings. Um, Because of my dog's training, because of my training, because of environment, all, all kinds of things factor in. So I am now very careful when I set goals for the weekend or set goals for those venues um, about what what I'm holding or what I'm going for, or what I think is realistic. And I think realistic or appropriate, those are two words I always go to when I tell clients of like coaching clients, for instance, like about setting their goals. Like, well, what's the appropriate goal to set? Like, yeah, that may be what you would want to set, but what is the actual appropriate goal or the realistic goal? And I'm not asking you to dial back your goals or lower the bar in those kinds of ways, but I am asking you to like kind of have a think about, well, what's realistic for this dog and me in this time? Again, like I said, I haven't run agility in a while. If I went and played agility this weekend, I should not expect like even to get my weave poles with Moxie, right? Because it's been a minute. And so we have to make sure that we are always reevaluating our goals and not just letting them roll from one weekend to the next or from one dog to the next and making sure that we are setting appropriate goals for the dog, for the weekend, for the venue, for where we are. Maybe you were coming out, you're just getting over a cold or something, right? Are you going to be up to 100%? Probably not. So that would be part one. Part two is, you know, I'm going to throw it back again to that growth mindset is to be able to reframe any mistakes, NQs, um, you know, falling short, disappointments, whatever the case may be as feedback, as learning opportunities. You know, there is a saying that I will proceed to butcher, um, which kind of says it like there are no failures, there's just learning right? And so if you can truly, 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 truly embrace that and come out of the ring and even if you screwed something up or your dog screwed something up or both of you screwed something up, whatever it was, you come out of the ring and instead of being like, oh my God, I suck. I can't. I can't believe I did that. Da, 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 da. And instead be like, all right, well, I figured that out. Because your brain absorbs it differently, right? The moment you come out of the ring, you're actually really primed for feedback. Um, the problem is, is we don't want any of that lovely unsolicited advice that we once talked about here. Um, but what we want is we want to know why and what we can do to fix it. 
Well, the only way to do that is if you are truly in an open growth mindset and you are receiving even from yourself, right? I mean, I can walk out of the ring and know exactly what I did wrong. And so if I can receive that from myself and be like, okay, that's what I did. Now I know how to fix it next time. Aha, note to self, got it, right? That's really constructive, right? That's a growth mindset. That's coming out of the ring. I'm not mad at myself. I'm not beating up me, not myself. I'm not beating up my dog. You know, I'm not doing any of that sort of negative stuff. I'm actually going, aha, I learned something. I just got some feedback. So that would be another way to sort of get out of this perfectionist tendencies, all right? You know, and a few other things, right? You need to trust your training. You know, you train your dog. You have skills. Your dog, um, presumably, whether they've never been to an agility trial or uh, obedience or anything, or you're, this is your fourth dog and this is their fourth title, um, you have some amount of training in them or you wouldn't have been brave enough to enter, <laughs> right? Uh, go you if you just picked up a dog and then walked into the ring. But uh, most of us have some amount of training. Trust your training. Trust that the things that you can do at home will convey to the ring. Maybe not perfectly because environments and, you know, there's that whole thing of like, well, we can do it perfect at home, but we can't do it in the ring. Okay. Well, you know, first of all, you might not be doing it perfect at home. There's another thought to think of, right? You're doing it in a way that you're happy with at home that maybe meets your criteria at home. Okay. Um, But just trust your training. Okay. And, you know, do it anyway. <laughs> right? I mean, if we were too afraid, you know, that's part of the problem, right? And that's where a lot of our anxiety, our performance nerves come from. We're afraid to walk into the ring because we're afraid that we can't be perfect. And perfect is such an outcome goal, first of all, and it is nearly an impossible or probably an impossible outcome goal for most of us, if not all of us. I know it is for me. So if I walk into the ring, if I'm standing, if I'm next to go in the ring and I'm standing there thinking, I don't know if I I can't be perfect. I don't know if I can be perfect. Then of course I'm going to be nervous. Of course I'm going to have anxiety. Of course that's going to run down the leash to the dog. And they're going to be like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going to happen in there? Like, whoa, what am am I supposed to be worried about? Because you all of a sudden got really like afraid, (laughs) you know? And so if that again is our standard, if that again is our outcome, then it is going to erode our confidence, as I said before, but it's going to make us nervous. Just, and those, you know, that really goes to big events, right? If you make it to the finals and you walk in the ring and you're like, oh my God, we have to be perfect now. Like that's the pressure, your internal pressure that you are putting on yourself now to be perfect, which is probably unattainable. Okay. So you're messing with your own mind. (laughs) You're getting in your own way. You're making it harder for yourself. Okay. So the idea of doing it anyway, of doing it, even though you probably won't be perfect, even though you're nervous or worried, you know, even though is really where you need to be. All right. And you will start to let go of those perfectionist tendencies. Um, you know, and that comes with letting go of the possibility of being perfect. And then it all gets down to the goals you set, right? Are you setting process goals? Are you trying to focus on the outcome, perfection, a cue, a score, um, some other type of thing that you're like, I will only be successful if, or are you also having process goals that say, 
you know, in obedience. I want to get a really good figure eight today. Like the rest of it can fall apart, but I want that figure eight. I want my footwork to be good and I want my dog to be in position. I'm really been working on my figure eight. That's what I want to get today. Great. Um, or, you know, you want to get your contacts today in agility or whatever it is. Those are appropriate process goals. Having fun is a great process goal. Or if you listen to the last episode, a great energetic process goal. And so um, we want to make sure that we are bringing the focus to our process goals. And again, the things we need to do to put ourselves in a position to potentially cue. Because remember, the cues are, I mean, a judge is involved. There's a lot of other factors going on, a lot of other variables that we do not control. So the only things we can control are our process goals. And we really can't control being perfect. We can try, we can try to do all the things, but again, it's not really attainable. So I just want you to think about that and think about, have a think (laughs) as you're driving to your next trial this weekend about, you know, ask yourself, do you have a perfectionist tendency? Like, do you want to be, are you like a perfect seeking person, you know? Um, And do you expect that in your dogs? Do you expect that in other humans, right? Um, And how is this impacting your performances? How is it impacting your agility or obedience or rally or whatever venue you play in? How is that having an impact on how you feel about your confidence, about your gauging your success, right? Measuring yourself. How is this all getting in your own way? And how can you start to let go of it, focus more on process goals, focus more on enjoyment, having fun, energetic goals, and really, you know, setting more appropriate goals and having more realistic and appropriate expectations for yourself, your dogs, your different venues, etc. Okay, so that's your homework. Have a think <laughs> about that. And uh, as always, no matter what you are up to this weekend, I hope you have a great week with your dogs. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. Check out my Dogged Planner workbook and journal available on Amazon. Just search for Dogged Planner. I also offer monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out all the ways you can work on your mindset. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at theqcoach and let me know how it's going. Finally, please share, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.